Good morning, guys. This is the Agen Podcast. I'm your host, Oliver Courtney, and today, Connor and Brandon are going to be sharing their knowledge on data analysis. Now, if you want a brief introduction to the topic, this is the one for you. If you want to use it in your interviews or you want to explore a career in data analysis, I think there's a growing trend at the moment, and uh, Connor and Brandon are going to cover that with practical, real-life examples, as well as explaining the basics of data analysis. Be sure to check out our website, ourgen.co.uk. That's ourgen.co.uk free membership guys it's that simple get access to forum pages group chats stock watch list startup resources newsletters podcasts like this so much good stuff in there so we're a free membership join now ourgen.co.uk keep learning get earning and i hope you enjoy the show good morning guys and welcome to episode four or five i don't know four or five i think it's four or five isn't it brandon uh yes i'm just gonna take your word for it connor let's just say is episode five yeah, episode five. I mean, our, our gem, we're bringing out new content every single week. I mean, Oliver uh, just recorded one the other day, so it's kind of like a wish-wash between all sort of podcasts. And as we said, we're working on this rotational aspect, so sometimes it's hard to keep up for where we are. But me and Brandon are delving back into the land of technology, our battleground almost. Uh, we study IT and business management, and we've kept computer science sort of neck and neck for our GCSE college. And now up to degree level so we're back in our back in our homeland so we're going to be speaking a bit more about uh, data analytics and how it can be used why you should why you should use it and how you can leverage it to your advantage an entrepreneur and you know why it's such a good skill to have so i think a perfect place to start is the textbook definition now tell me brandon what is data analysis slash analytics allow me to explain so data analytics in its core is basically a process and this process involves inspecting cleaning transforming and modeling data with the goal of discovering useful information and this would include drawing conclusions supporting decision making and finding powerful insight now this is extremely crucial for all types of businesses just because when they're facing a business problem, they need to make sure that their solutions are backed with data insights. And even when, even when it comes to finding problems, like you may not know that your business is facing a problem, but through data analytics and analyzing the, the mounds of data collected through surveys and cookies and all that jazz, you're able to find stuff which could potentially pose a problem in the future, but because you've identified it um, further earlier along the down the line then you put yourself at a really really good position and it's that's why it's so crucial that companies are leveraging data analytics precisely and so many companies are just hemorrhaging data now nowadays uh, every company is taking sort of the business online and that's just a really good way to get information about your customers uh, what they're doing what the person and one example which is really close to my heart is well, I work at Tesco as a stock troll assistant, so I've I've seen and experienced the power of the, the the club card. I'm sure most of you are sitting at home with either one in your wallet or one on your keys right now. But through research, I've noticed that Tesco can figure out so much about the consumers just by having this little card scanned every single shopping trip. 
uh, with the amount you buy, they can they know how how many people are in your family. They obviously know the uh, sort of combinations of products that you buy regularly, and that can influence the coupons they send you. And now, now I know every three months they send you those club card vouchers, and they send you a set of coupons. And I, every single time, I always get coupons for products I've bought in the past or bought regularly over the past few weeks, and that ultimately makes me want to you know shop at Tesco and keep using these coupons. Uh, because they know I buy that sort of stuff. So it's another incentive to keep loyal to the brand. And that's how you can establish brand loyalty. But something as simple as that, a tiny little card, which you scan every single time you shop, can leverage decision-making and establish a consumer base. And especially in such an oligopolistic market where competition is fierce, you need to kind of establish your consumers and make them loyal to your brand. And obviously as entrepreneurs, our gem, we're looking to create businesses in which we'll have a loyal consumer base and obviously consumer experience is at the heart of, you know, the process going forward. So we need to establish this brand loyalty. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that Tesco example is just such a great and prime example of a really good, you know, precise data analytics to create a personalized shopping experience for the customers and to really cater to the needs, which, you know, would promote brand loyalty and just customer attention. Uh, I mean, another good example is like Amazon with personalized shoppings and they combine data analytics with AI to determine what kind of shopping you'd prefer and, you know, get, creating a personalized homepage for you, uh, all, all of which, which is, is embedded through um, quality data analysis. They're always so, right, though, Amazon, aren't they? They're always right. You always go on the homepage and it says your personalized list or uh, what we suggest and it's always something you want and that's how they get you and that's how they're using data that's how that's a good example about how data can be used to um, suggest stuff and increase sales i mean it's gotten to the point where they know what i want to buy before i know what i want to buy yeah it's like just sitting on your shoulder (laughs) just looking at everything (laughs) everything you buy and be like oh you know actually you could do with a bit of bit of this product in your life etc they are always right it's it's scary almost so connor we need to know what kind of process does data analysis involve how what does the process look like well obviously when you're looking at I mean, going back to project management, if you're managing this sort of data team, you kind of need a scope. You can't just get this big, massive data set containing over 100,000 items and then go, right, let's see what we can find. You've got to follow a rigorous process. So it's a good question you ask, Brandon. And the first step is defining a question or a goal behind analysis. Like, what are you trying to discover? So this is right at the start very first stepping stones what are you trying to uncover from the data it may may be a question of um what do customers buy at a certain time frame or what pages do the customers take on a website you've got to create this driving question right at the start Mm. to influence the scope and the aims of the project because you have you have obviously got like a limited amount of resources so you can't just go let's see what we find here You've got to come up very precisely. What are you trying to? What's going to be worth your while? You know, you have only got a certain amount of money, so you've got to make the most of that. It provides a lot of direction into where you're going to go next as well. I mean, when you face with a huge problem, there's a lot of factors, like you say, which go into determining the, the root cause and any kind of solutions go into it. 
if you determine a really precise business question, then you can determine the variables which would affect this problem. And variables uh, play such a key role into data analysis and abstracting the variables which you need is integral. Now, a good example which comes to mind is uh, we've recently done a data analytics project for a um, course, which is data analysis, business data analytics. And in this, we were analyzing um, 153 countries uh, who gave a, a, who did a survey and they listed like different variables such as GDP uh, and happiness and all this jazz. And we, we well, for, I personally created a business question, what factors drive happiness? And from this, it really gave me direction into what things I should analyze next. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, I remember doing a similar sort of thing. It's, yeah, it's 153 countries. So yeah, it was measuring the happiness score for each. So there was plenty of variables. We had to do like a multivariate analysis and figure out what factors were influencing the happy, happiness score the most. Um, and once you figure that out, you can then use that to influence future like policies, you know, future policy decision making and figure out what to do next, you know. And it, these key governments were using this sort of data um, from the World Happiness Report. So it, it needed to be correct and it needed to um, it needs to follow a process in which you get the right answer. Mm. So I think that moves us on to the next thing about making the right decision. And that is collecting the right data to help answer the question. Uh, where do you get uh, this data from? Yeah, and this is such an important step because this really is the foundation for your data analysis is what all your analysis will be based on because it will be the data you're working with. And you need to make sure that this data is uh, non-biased, it's not skewed towards any kind of result, and it's, it's very fair. So it, data can be collected. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> data can be collected in two ways, uh, through primary data, uh, collection or secondary and through primary you're collecting the data yourself you're conducting mm -hmm. your surveys you're yeah, going out on the field asking people questions straight up <laughs> you're going into the into the into the real world and you know you're going to ask people um you know firsthand and you know this is great for projects where the data is just not available like openly on the internet or something uh, mm -hmm. And that goes on to the second one, which is secondary research or secondary uh, data collecting in which you're utilizing data samples from uh, collected by other people who've done it for you. And yeah. there will be massive databases who have just a database of different um, data samples for various kinds of research. And you can go and head on Google and research into what kind of companies provide this information. Yeah, and like Brandon, I think what, from our marketing foundations course at last year, I think a favourite database of ours was Mintel, and that gave the sort oh. of consumer <laughs> reports for certain industries by sector, you know, mobile phone games industries. And uh, quite a lot of people draw upon uh, the Office for National Statistics, that's a, uh, the, the official um, the official sort of 
that's the go-to the go-to almost for data it's funded by the government they use it for all sorts of statistics on the government dashboards etc uh, one of yeah. them being the coronavirus dashboard about looking at uh, the statistics of how many people have it in the community what's the sort of transmission like in the community so i think those are yeah. two prime examples that people use and i think um, google have their own sort of database of just because obviously google being the leading oh the powerhouse the powerhouse <laughs> the amount of information it holds is uh, that's definitely a very uh, credible resource as well and i think there's also one called kaggle and i'm not sure if it really i'm not sure if it is data samples or if it's just help with data science but that's also an interesting resource to look into yeah good stuff and like we, we we've, we've talked about getting the right data but once you've got the data you've got to ensure that it's sufficient enough so that you can actually gain some accurate results and that comes onto the stage of performing data cleaning and uh, data wrangling and the aim of this is to improve data quality and like i said before prepare it for the analysis and interpretation of getting the data so uh, for our coursework we had to put it into i i personally put stuff into excel and uh, microsoft excel and uh, a tool a data wrangling software called trifactor to make sure that it was in the right format to uh, emit any outliers to notice out any extreme values you know you don't want these extreme values to hinder your data i remember in my <coughs> first year at university of manchester um looking at this concept ansom's quattro and it's the same data set but it can be displayed in many different ways so looking mm. at um i mean that's more visualization stuff but you've got to be careful not to get the wrong impression on data and in the real world, data is dirty. I mean, and I've read this statistic which says there's an 80-20 rule when it comes to uh, data analysis, the process. 80% of your time is spent cleaning and preparing the data ready for the modeling. And 20% is actually performing the analysis uh, along with the visual aids. So, yeah, it's a really important step. Uh, spotting out outliers, inputting any sort of rant, any, uh, any missing values, um, and you can do this in many different ways, which we can go into detail uh, later on. But make sure that your data is clean is essential. It's imperative for the next the next stage. Definitely. You need to make sure that your, your data is fit for data modeling and any sort of data analysis for, uh, at that. Uh, one one uh, good way to spot outliers in your, your data set is the interquartile range method. And that is identifying um, uh, your quarter one and your quarter three um, of your data sets. And then there's a formula you use to, oh, and also identifying the interquartile range of your data set. And there's a formula that you can identify whether your um, a, a data point is an outlier because this formula dictates what is should be statistically feasible for mm -hmm. a data point. And the formula goes, I think, uh, if memory serves, is like for the lower end of your data set, you do the first quarter of your, of your data set range minus 1.5 times into quartile range. And that would be the minimum value for your data set that can be considered 
um, a usable data point. And if you got a data point which is lower than that, then it will be considered an outlier. And that is a good way to identify outliers in your data set. And like Connor said, it can really, really impact the results if, say like you have a set of 10 values and nine of them are within 10 to 15, and then your 10th value is like 100. Your results are just so heavily skewed that yeah. um, your data results might say that, oh, um, it's telling you this kind of interpretation, where in actuality, the rest of the data is telling you otherwise, but that one outlier is skewing the data towards uh, in, 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 inaccurate results. Precisely, and there's many ways to sort of look at it. And one of mine and Brandon's favourite one is looking at the skewness of the data. Is the normal distribution curve peaked more leftwards or rightwards? And that can influence where values lie. Um, are they more skewed towards the uh, the right end of the spectrum? So the data looks more biased uh, in a sort of way if you're using that and looking at those sort of visual tools. But one of my favourites is uh, the Z-score methodology, which uses uh, a critical value. Um, using confidence intervals and if it falls about that range you eliminate it to then form uh, better results mm. definitely and um, we, we touched a bit more we touched you know about data cleaning and wrangling the data to make it so that it's prepared right but the, the next step is making sure that the data is plotted out within using different kind of graphs and uh, structures to, to see if, um, for different types of data models and data analysis. So, yeah, and a free tool like Excel is really good for this. Yes, precisely what I was going to say. So Excel and Google Sheets was really, really, a really, really good tool for making these graphs and these kind of models to plot your data in a visual aspect. And mm. this is another kind of like way to kind of eye out outliers as well, because if you find yeah. if you plot your data on a scatter plot and you can see that one point is just radically different than another point, then you can probably do some analysis on that point, see whether it is an outlier and it should be fairly obvious. Yeah. And using simple tools as a data filter tab, you can actually just look at a specific, um, a specific value. So, for example, if you're analysing a list of countries and you've got associated data with them, you can then filter just on the uh, just England and just look at them. Uh, that's our, the data just for that country. And it's just kind of like looking at, kind of manipulating in a way which you can create tables on and look at just a specific value rather than uh, looking at it as a whole. And like I said, Brandon, like Brandon said, you spot outliers this way. Yeah, and also using a filter tag gives you a very vague idea to what kind of results you're expecting. So you got your, your question defined, your specific business question defined. And generally, you'll have some insight, uh, some sort of result. And if you go through the filter tables, you can kind of get a, get a read on what kind of result you can expect. So if you're looking through, you're filtering on a certain country, and then you look at happiness scores, drawing back to that happiness example, uh, that happiness report I did. Uh, and say like I chose Southeast Asia and I'm seeing that all the happiness scores are quite low. I can make some sort of conclusion, well, preliminary conclusion that is looking like 
countries in Southeast Asia are experiencing a low happiness scores. And then mm. this brings on further questions like, why is this happening? Let's take a look into some variables which are causing this, and et cetera. I think a good point there, Brandon, is if we end on that point, that's the 80 part. And now it's time for the 20 part, which is analysing and interpreting and then presenting the data. So we'll start off with analysing and interpreting. So I'll, I'll kick off things. When looking at certain factors which influence each other, you can use, like, like Brandon said before, scatter plots, correlation analysis to think, does this factor affect my end product? And you've got this key driving question about how one factor affects another. So now using correlation, is there a strong positive correlation between them? And that can then influence what you're going to do. You know, does does this stall, does this item at the front of my store influence influence sales to increase? If there's a strong positive correlation, yeah, it does. And you may keep that there then and merchandise that in a way so that it stays there. And then you can mm. test out certain factors. Does this product next to this product increase sales of both products? Strong positive, yeah. Strong negative, no. And that can influence decision making. That's what we look at in the first sort of um textbook definition we look into analyze data extrapolate the past to predict the future and support our decision making yeah and a great extension to these analytical methods is building predictive models using these analytical uh, analytical methods so uh, some predictive models which we've looked at during our data anal- analytics course is stuff like decision tree models or perhaps neural networks and they will use uh, sophisticated algorithms to determine based on a certain variable or, or multiple variables, what kind of score you can predict based on the score of different variables. So taking, for example, the happiness report based on a country that has, um, I don't know, a low GDPR, high factor of perception of corruption, and high social support or whatever, you can apply your predictive model to analyze your current data set and then use the results to apply that to a new data set and predict the results based on your previous uh, predictive model. And this would help companies when you know doing something new, launching a new scheme and to be able to predict sales based on data analytics and it provides some really, really useful information. Yeah, no, setting a certain uh, variable as a target, like you said before, if you're using those factors such as you know GDP and social support, and then setting happiness as a target, that's how it works. That's how the predictive models work. They look to improve that uh, variable you set as a target. So yeah, no, that's really good. And the final stage is presenting these results. Now, this, this is my probably favourite part of data analytics, and that's the data visualisation. I've used a tool, uh, tool uh, called Tableau before, and that's a really good one for representing these pretty dashboards uh, in graphical format, um, sort of bar charts, pie charts, geographical map indicators. And this is how, mm. as an entrepreneur, when you're looking to develop a business and you have all this data and you're trying to convince investors to invest in your idea, which we all want to do, 
you're going to need to use these visualizations, charts, tables, etc. You know, file them in a report so that project managers and department heads, senior level sort of employees can understand. Because at this stage, we're kind of in the nitty gritty of it. We're kind of in, we've just been looking at raw data, trying to influence business decision making. But now we need to take it more high level, more abstract and display it in a way that you can convince someone to get on board with your idea. And you're not going to do that by showing them an Excel uh, table with 50,000 entries. You're going to do this by uh, making it more concise and present it in a way that is meaningful and can be understood by the everyday man. Precisely. I mean, these take these company, you know, top end company executives, senior managers, they've just got like a lump sum for money. And they just want to know, okay, where can I invest this to? Or Mm -hmm. where can these resources be best allocated towards? And they don't care about the the nitty-gritty numbers, the statistical variance, the the standard deviations or whatever. Exactly, the skewness, everything like that. Everything we talked about before. Yeah, they just want a basic understanding on, okay, what problem are we having? Oh, can you visually represent uh, how this problem is being affected by different factors. Yeah, why does your solution solve that problem? Yeah, it's just solution backed by data. Can I put my trust that this money or these resources which I have are not going to waste? And data analytics and free visual charts and statistics is going to be able to provide that evidence that your solution is the best it is. And the way that it is, is constructed based on you know, really, really solid evidence. Precisely. Uh, like you said before, Brandon, they want a return on investment. And the, if you, you've got to reduce the geek speak, you've got to give it some plain form and go, this will make you money. And this is why, and just clearly display it to them in a concise manner. Um, you know, mm. deep enough so that, you know, they know that you know your stuff, but concise enough that it's understandable and digestible. And so I guess that's the first reason why you should learn uh, data analytics. Yes, definitely. I mean, data. there's a, a wide range of reasons why you should learn data analytics. And uh, personally, I can bang on about data analytics all day. Uh, I think it's a very fascinating subject and it provides a lot of insight into the world. Uh, but another one great reason which comes to mind building on what Connor just said about why we should learn data analytics is that for anyone who is looking to pursue a career path, it's a really, really anticipated job and is one of the top jobs in today's market. Uh, And this is precisely because of stuff like the digital transformation that we're going through in today's economy with COVID-19 just sweeping the nation and really driving forward the, the demand for digital transformation. Companies are looking for quality data ana- analysis. And this is really just going to drive demand for uh, jobs such as data analysis. And you can expect that uh, it will be a very safe job and a very well-paid one. Exactly. And you, funny you should mention that because two things come to mind when I think of why p- the people our gen should learn uh, data analysis skills and potentially pursue a career and i know personally i am and that is the first one is data roles have a very high very high salary they are well paid and if you are quite money driven 
is a way to go. It's it's a it's you've got your list of soft skills that's just communication and teamwork, etc. But when you learn a skill such as what we've learned, me and Brandon, SAS, which is a data analysis tool, once you have a hard skill like that and you master the subject, you're gonna get paid for that. There's quite a, like we said, there's job growth in this market. So being the best in the field is going to make you successful and earn earn all that money. And that's quite a lot of entrepreneur. That's quite not quite a lot of entrepreneurs like gold. They want to be financially free, and I certainly know I do. And yeah, the next I mean, one is go on, sorry, I, Brandon. I mean, we know people who do data analysis, and we know someone who's working at Amazon right now. And keep in mind, this is a graduate job, the first job after uni. And can you take a guess on how much he's earning? Well, I'll spoil it and I'll say that he's on 66k, which is absolutely insane. Um, yeah, that is the high figure. Higher than the average. In fact, is probably double. Mm-hmm. And that's just an entry-level data analysis position at Amazon. And if you were to extrapolate that into senior level uh, or even leads or whatever, it can be up to 100 plus, 100 grand plus. Yeah, once you really mature your role, um, you can really, really get even even more money than that. And the next point for me, this is a personal touch. I've noticed my mindset has changed. My my kind of problem-solving mindset has changed. Now, when I'm looking at um, certain scenarios, when I'm when I'm when I'm walking to supermarkets, I'm thinking. How could they place that to influence this? How could that increase that? And even in any business, I'm walking around and I kind of just I'm kind of more analytical in a sense. I want to know why certain things influence things the way they do and how such a certain policies are um, admitted. And recently I've looked quite a lot into uh, the SAGE, which is the scientific advisory group for uh, the government for emergencies. And looking at their data and thinking, how is that going to influence influence the lifting of lockdown? How is that going to influence the dates of you know which restrictions are eased? And you kind of just get into this mindset where you're like, everything can be influenced in some way. And data is the answer to that. Analyzing I, it. Extrapolating I can that this kind of mindset has probably helped you with stuff like investing. 100%. 100%. And I've just got recently gone to the more technical analysis sort of stuff. And if you look at some of the graphs and look at certain indicators, I mean, Brandon's recently been teaching me about uh, RSI and MACD as tools, technical analysis tools for investing. And looking at the past for that, looking at past trends about how they line up has influenced uh, buy positions and sell positions. I've got more into day trading. And yeah, like that little piece of data can really influence what you do yeah and i think that pretty much wraps everything up and yeah uh it is a great introduction i think into what data analytics is and you know why we should learn it and guys i really do implore that you do consider doing at least a little bit of research into it and seeing whether it fits you or not uh and if there's anything you're confused by uh, then just drop a drop a discussion down in the our gen forums or groups and we'd be happy to explain more about it 100 percent. i'm always looking to 
learn more. As as Ollie says, we sound like a broken record, but uh, keep learning, get earning, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode.